Again, that's Luke chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. It is written. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the flock field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Here ends the reading of the Holy Word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's Christmas Eve. As Nancy said, the hour is near. And so there's no surprises tonight. You show up and you sing the carols that you know. You see friends and family members. And you hear the reading from Luke. And so there's no surprises in the sermon. There's no twist in turns in which this turns into a sermon on tithing. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. You get Jesus in a manger. And when we look at this story and the familiarity of it, there's so rich. And yet at the same time, it has become so familiar. We could probably, if we've been in church any amount of time in our lives, 
tell this story without even opening the book. We may add a few scenes from Matthew and maybe even a couple others from some books that we grew up with. But overall, we can set the stage. But most importantly, Jesus will be born. And so in this story, throughout all of it, the reason Luke records the birth of Jesus and the very reason we gather on Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock when most of us are normally in bed or watching late night television is because with Jesus, it reorients our entire lives. When Mary is told the news that she will be with child and it will be the son of God, she visits Elizabeth and turns and sings in praises, worships. When the shepherds hear of this good news of great joy, they run in haste and return in worship. When an angel comes to announce to the shepherds, suddenly there is a multitude of the host from heaven worshiping, adoring. And Matthew even adds to it that there will be magi from the east who have traveled afar to come and behold this Christ child. The reason the birth of Jesus is recorded in the Gospels is because it's from his very birth and his announcement that our lives begin to be reoriented. See, there will come a point tomorrow, and maybe you have felt it at some point in your life, after all the gifts have been opened, even if you've received everything you wanted and asked for on your list, where you will turn and ask or internally ask, was that it? By the time the afternoon reaches, grandkids and kids will be running around saying, what do we do now? What's next? Are you sure there isn't one more present? for me to open and we end up in this place with a deep longing deep in our soul and we realize the things that we have bought and received will never fulfill us and that's what the angels told to the shepherds they said, fear not, and behold, behold, hold on to this, this good news of great joy, that there will be born in Bethlehem the Christ, a new king. Behold him. Earlier this evening, we sang, O come, all ye faithful. This was my grandmother's favorite Christmas hymn. And for years after her passing, when Christmas would come around and we would sing that hymn, I would think of her. The memories would be sweet. We'd think of things of frozen 
cookies that she would bring out for us, peanut butter from the fridge, the Coca-Cola cans in which she had the savor top on it, on it because she never drank a full can. So many sweet memories of my grandmother. But as the years have gone past, as maturity has hit me some, God placed on my heart to really listen to the lyrics of this song. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, come, let us adore him. Come, come and behold him. It's a message, a song to reorient our hearts on the one who fills our deepest longings, the one who brings us hope, peace, joy, and love abounding. And so we come this evening, we come at this late hour to adore him, to adore him because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. To adore him because in all things and through him they were made. To come and adore him because in him is life. We come to adore him because through Jesus Christ we receive grace and truth. Adore him because he is great, the son of the most high. Adore him because he will save his people from their sins. Adore him for his faithfulness from the day he was born to the death on his cross. He was faithful to his father's will so that we may know of his love. So we adore him for his love. We adore him because even though the world ultimately rejected him, those who have welcomed him into their heart, he says he will never leave nor forsake. We come and we adore him because his work on the cross is sufficient and supreme. We come and we adore him because his kingdom will never end. We adore him because we have known him. And he says, because we have known him, we know and have seen the Father. We adore him because while we were yet sinners, God sent his son to be born. The word put on flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, holy, sinless, spotless, lived, walked, taught, performed miracles among us, died on the cross as our substitute and atonement for our sin, and three days later raises from the dead, ultimately ascending to the right hand of God, proving that God does actually love you. We adore him because born this day is Christ our Lord. So come.
Come all ye faithful. Come and behold him. For in Jesus we have good news of great joy. Come, let us adore him.